0: You're listening to Security Speaking, the SSI podcast. Bosch Senior Editor of Security Cells and Integration. Joining me today are three members of the Partnership for Priority Verified Alarm Response, also known as PPVAR. We'll be discussing top challenges facing the video verified alarm movement, as well as other key topics focusing on alarm response. My guests are Joey Rayo Russell, who serves as President and CEO of Kimberlite Corporation. That's an independent Sonatrol franchise in California. Joey is PPVAR's immediate past president. We have Tom Nakatani, the current PPVAR president. He serves as Vice President of Customer Monitoring Technology for ADT. And for a law enforcement perspective, we're joined by Frank Fernandez, Frank is a former police chief in Hollywood, Florida. He's also a PPVAR board member. Frank, how did you become involved in PPVAR? Well,
1: it's quite interesting. You know, when I was in Coral Gables, I told uh, Tom on the board this actually story. I saw the uh, fire trucks when I first got there, running every day with lights and sirens, a whole you know, battalion uh, group running out of the firehouse. And so I looked into it, I was wondering why such a high-end city would have so many fire calls, and it turned out to be false alarm calls, fire false alarm calls. I looked around the country trying to find methods or ways or practices or some type of study that they were doing to try to address this gap in the services I couldn't find well. And then I found an article at the International Association of Chiefs of Police where they were advertising for board members for PPVAR. So I applied, I went through a, a selection process and I was lucky enough to be um, blessed with the opportunity to serve on this board with these great people that I think are doing some great um, some great work. To, it's, a, it's a game changer what they're doing. It's very innovative and I think it's gonna save lives. It's gonna protect police officers and really protect citizens because every time those fire trucks run out on these fire calls, it puts everyone in danger. They do the best job that they can but at the end of the day, we still have errors. We still have accidents or running through lights. So, if we can minimize those, we save lives. Police officers responding to these false alarm calls—it really develops into a mindset of complacency. And I think Joya really has a lot of great stories that she's uh, pulled out of California around the country, where her success stories of apprehensions are quite remarkable through video or audio verifications. Most recently, I had—I uh, interviewed two officers, one from. Uh, the Northeast coast and one from the Southeast coast of the U S and asked him about the response to these alarm calls. And the, the, the common uh, theme of most of these officers was the fact that why can't the alarm companies verify these alarms through video today with advanced analytics before they the they us? because they responds to the same calls over and over and over again. And so I think PVVR is doing a great job under the leadership of Joe and Tom here which I'm really impressed with because what they're doing is a game changer they're trying to develop or they are developing a method that will enhance the reliability of these arms when they're dispatched, and so it provides better customer service and uh, you know proof of concept is enjoys uh, own operation right where well, she has an incredible amount of apprehensions through this this type of method, but also enhancing safety so Really, they're, they're great trendsetters in terms of better quality service for their customers and great trendsetters in enhancing safety for our, for our public safety employees, which is where I come into the picture.
0: Well, Joey, Frank mentioned um, success story. Can you give us an example for somebody that might not be totally aware of how PDDAR works and just give us an example of a success story in the field?
2: Well, yes. Um, PPVAR we we specialize in priority response for verified alarms. What that means is that through our central station, through technology, either typically now audio or video, but with enhanced analytics and other uh, big data, we hope to move it going forward to encompassing all of the tools in our in our um, toolbox to provide a better probability of a crime in progress. That's the idea. My person, my company, one of my company's co-founders, Al Cronk, happened to be a police officer. And that's why Sonatrall specializes in verification. I run a verification only Central Station. All of my alarms are able to be verified either through audio or video. That allows us to have a much lower false alarm rate and a much higher apprehension rate. We've apprehended over a thousand criminals or helped to apprehend the police do all the work. We just give them some information to help them do it better. But we've helped the police apprehend over a thousand uh, criminals this year so far. And why that's important is that real-time data is safety for the the community as 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 well as the police officer. We're able to tell them we hear voices in this room. We're able to say if we see them with a weapon. We're able to know how many people are there. We're able to tell them if they're in the front of the school or the back of the school, or if we've heard glass breakage, gunshots, various different things that help give them information to know how to respond. Because Chief Fernandez was right. One of the biggest dangers for police officers is complacency. Because even though many traditional false alarms can be up to 98% false, that 2% can result in a loss of life for law enforcement right now, or a loss of life for citizens. Because if they are, like Chief Fernandez mentioned, whenever they run sirens, whenever they, they they respond in priority to any any dispatch, there is the chance for an accident, there is a chance for danger, both to the officer and to the public. So it's very important that when we utilize these resources, that we do it in partnership and collaboration to make sure we we want to respond obviously with full priority to something that that needs to be, but we also want to keep the public safe if they don't. So that's why it's very important for us to continue to collaborate. And that's why PPVAR is such a wonderful organization because we work very hard to work in partnership with law enforcement to find consensus and to find ways for us to do what we do better to help service them. Because the truth of the matter is, is that They say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to keep a community safe, too. It takes our end subscribers being educated and using the alarm properly. It takes alarm companies doing everything they can to mitigate false alarms and communicate information. And it takes law enforcement to be able to consume that information and use what limited resources they have to respond to as many incidents to keep the public safe as much as possible.
0: Tom, before we get into some of the technology aspects, can you talk a little bit about the outreach to law enforcement? What are some of the efforts that you guys are able to connect with law enforcement?
3: So One of the amazing things and unique things about PPVAR was that it was formed as a partnership between several industries, the security industry, the insurance industry, and most importantly, public safety. PPVAR actually has several members of the public safety community on the board, one of my uh, efforts as, as uh, president is to expand that so we're, we're, we're looking to expand the uh, participation of law enforcement of fire of EMS of, of a representative of the ECC peace app community on the board itself right so you you can just get the sense from from talking with Chief Fernandez of the value of the of the insights and and um, commentary of the first responders to policies that the security industry is looking to implement, right? So we have direct input from some very amazing individuals that have chosen to volunteer their time to participate on the PPVAR board. And that insight that they provide to our um, recommendations on using verified information to help provide actionable information to the 911 centers and the the first responders is absolutely amazing. So um, can't Thank them enough for the uh, time and effort that they provide, and, as Frank said, we're very excited about some of the
0: programs that we're looking to put in place. Can you give us uh, some an idea of where the organization is strong regionally and where you would like to fill some holes on a national level?
3: So when we're looking when I mentioned some of the categories of um, participants that we're looking for, not just on the board itself but as <coughs> members of the PP bar organization as a whole. So uh, historically, we've focused on law enforcement. The majority of the alarms that the security industry generates are around um, the the what you would term as like property, <laughs> right? Uh, although there's life safety involved in that, but a lot of the burglar alarms that we have are intrusion alarms. And so we wanted to kind of focus where we would get the biggest um, return for the effort that we invested. So um, we've had um, representation from uh, people like like Chief Fernandez and uh, Director Hole, who is a director of public safety, for example, Um, but but they're from the police chiefs. But we've also had representatives from the sheriff's organizations. We wanna make sure that those law enforcement entities are represented. We just added a board member that represents the fire community. Uh, Andy King is the uh, deputy uh, fire chief for the city of Franklin in Tennessee. Gonna be a wonderful add. Um, We're in the process of adding several more members around the ECC community. Um, and, and to answer your specific question, we're looking to have representation geographically across the entire country um, so so that we're looking for uh, not just the organizations and the public safety entities that they represent, but a little bit of diversity in terms of like, hey, we have West Coast and East Coast and, <laughs> you know, however you want to look at the dividing up the country a little bit, but but certainly we want to have um, have individuals that help provide viewpoints because Urban areas versus rural areas have very different outlooks and, and issues that they have to deal with sometimes from a um, from a response perspective.
0: Okay. Okay. Great. I'd like to get into some of the um, kind of the latest video verified alarm trends we're seeing right now. Can you guys riff a little bit about technology? What is the mainstay of the program, and where are we going as far as oh. advancing? So um,
3: I'll I'll take the opportunity to talk a little bit about ANSI standard that PPVAR is in the process of developing with TMA right now. So um, because of the expertise and the focus that PPVAR has on uh, applying verification information to alarms, we were uh, able to to form a working group with um, some of the the members of the, the various industries that we represent and put a framework together around some of the scoring Right. So we talk about verification, but historically, because of the way our systems have worked, a lot of that technology has been around, hey, I saw or I heard, or some there's some indication that there's there that there's a person or some type of crime in progress, right? To to various degrees, going from from um like very confident someone drove a t- truck through the window to, to I hear noises, right? <laughs> so um how do you apply how do you how do you quantify that into something that a that a first responder in public safety can respond to, right? So we take a look at some of the technologies out there that have been out there for a long time. There's video, there's audio that 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 um, has been doing for a long time. There's other types of detection devices that are that are always out there, right? The traditional intrusion devices, door contacts, motion detectors. Well, a lot of this can be aggregated together. So. A lot of it is is the connectivity to these devices is is increased tremendously with with the internet. So now we can get this information and take that data and apply analytics to it and come up with a better score, right? Not just analytics, but involve the agents so they can take a look at the information, provide their input, get customer insights into that same, because they'll know what's happening, right? At the location, they might have information, but we can aggregate all this information, turn it into a score, right, that we can provide over to the public safety side of the house. And maybe Joey can expand a little bit on some of the technologies, and Frank can talk a little bit about what public safety would be able to do with that type of information.
2: Well, and the thing that's great about about how technology is growing and what have you, um, traditionally we had audio and video. You saw it or you heard it. And it required a great amount of training and um, institutional knowledge of the agents in order to make a discretionary call. This, we're trying to form a standardization so that you don't have one agent who believes that a person on a property is a high priority and another one who waits until they see the gun, right? Two very disparate things. So by using all the available data and the fact that now it's connected and now we have enough technology in the back end to actually write algorithms and learning computers and things like that to take this data, because part of the challenge for um, adoption of verification Law enforcement says it all the time. Why doesn't everybody just video verify? Well, the reality is, is that you have to get over, you know, 100 million subscribers in the U.S. across, you know, residential, commercial, even government to adopt all new technologies in the way they do it. Then you have to get all of our industry to do the same thing and to try and scale that. That, of course, is a huge undertaking. What's really exciting about this ANSI standard and some of the things that we're looking to technology to do on the back end of our automation platforms is that we're going to be able to quickly scale because we can take, say, something out of my central station that is designed and installed to do verification and and provides a much higher level of information, but pair that with a traditional, shall we say, conventional burglar alarm that just has a motion sensor, a glass break, and a door contact, and as, Um, kept saying, aggregate the data in the back end to say, well, if we get two doors, a glass break, a motion sensor, and, you know, say the thermostat's telling them they're there, that's probably the subscriber who's coming in at the end of the day. We should probably check with with the location. So it's giving the agent more tools to be able to use everything at their disposal to give true and better information to law enforcement. The way we traditionally did it was our agents received something on their screen, they received a script and what to do, and that's what they did. So this allows us by, you, by aggregating data to give them more information quickly so that they can, again, I keep, hate to keep using the term aggregating data, but it's really about data points. That's the idea is that thanks to things that aren't even security, which is Google and Amazon and some of, some of these large companies and the things that they've innovated, we can take that innovation and translate it to what we do. We can look at multiple data points to come up with you know, what we believe would be the most probable outcome. And so it's really an exciting time because we're gonna be able to quickly scale this. We're gonna be able to quickly do better. It will continue to grow, but it doesn't leave the traditional technology behind. That's the most important part is we're looking to use our automation and to not you know, tell, that we're seeing right now, um, Americans don't really like to be told that they can't do what they want to do. So if we have subscribers that like, say, their old traditional alarm panel that has the door contacts and the motion sensor, and they don't want to change and they like their keypad and they're perfectly happy with what they have, we can still offer a better level of service to both law enforcement, the subscriber and the community while allowing them to, while allowing our subscribers to really make the choice of how they want to utilize and interact with their security.
0: At Chief Fernandez, I'd, like really <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get your input here. Chief Fernandez, I'd like to get your input here. As Joy said, you know, what can public safety do with this information? Are you, is it pretty seamless for you right now? Or how is this being digested on your end?
1: Well, you know, it all has to do with how that monitoring station connects with the PSAPs or Emergency Communication Center. So they, it's quite seamless now. They've had years and years of practicing this. so. It is quite seamless. What Joe and Tom are talking about is really at enhancing or enhancing the ability of that connectivity to include data points that provide better accuracy on that officer or that fire department responding to a call. Let me put it into practical terms here for both fire and police and the relationship of danger associated with the lack of accuracy of these responses. So I mentioned about the city of Coral Gables where I was there for, for quite some time and all these fire trucks every day going out of the firehouse. I did a study on it, in a small city of 50,000 people, so I come from a big city that, that was very normal to see fire trucks, but this was a smaller city, and it, it, the average was 150 false alarm responses per month for that small agency. Now think about a 500,000 pound piece of uh, apparatus going through an intersection with lights and sirens that everyone has to stop at the intersection, yield the way to them, but when that doesn't happen, that confrontation with a fire truck is quite deadly. So the first thing we're reducing is that danger point there by having accuracy in these responses. Number two, by having these first responders readily available to respond to true emergencies, we get to deal with that golden hour of people getting to a hospital, such as you know a, a stroke or a heart attack, which is a leading cause of death today. So think about our first responder fire trucks today, are advanced life support ready, the vast majority across the country. So that means that a fire truck not responding to a false alarm call could be readily available to respond to a heart attack. So with Tom and PPVAR under his leadership, what they're doing is really saving lives. So now switching over to the police department, you know, try to envision the 911 center that we call a PSAP, right? A Public Safety Access Point and Emergency Communication Center. So all these calls are coming in, but when they come in, they're telling the officer the alarm company, as Joy does very, 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 very well. The alarm company is telling us that they're seeing a person on the inside. They're hearing activity, or they are, as Tom said, with scoring. They tell them, listen, it's after hours. The the uh, owner uh, is on vacation, so all this scoring mechanism gets greater reliability. That that call being dispatched. Is an accurate call therefore enhancing the alert level of that officer responding to their call this all has to work seamlessly as it has for many years but what, what as joe said what has happened is that that call comes in and it goes dispatched out very quickly to the officer but the officer is responding blind what tom and pvvr is doing is they're opening up that horizon of saying hey i want you to be more alert Take into consideration all the technology information they have available to let you know that your danger points as you respond to their call may be a lot higher. They're seeing someone inside, they have more information. So now that officer positions him or herself in a tactical position that's safer for themselves or others, let me give you one last example of what could go wrong in very tragic event that I saw, which is terrible, when we respond to these false alarms. An owner of a bank, uh, after hours, sends his son to the bank uh, in the city of Coral Gables, many years ago, sends his son to the bank to to go inside and get documents, whatever it may have been for. Lawful, he was in there for a good reason, but the alarm goes off, it's a false alarm. They dispatch police, police respond, see the front door open, they go inside with their guns out. And what ends up happening? that individual got shot and killed by the officer. I can assure you that the officer did not want that outcome. But at the end of the day, it happened. That father doesn't have a son. The officer has to live with the guilt that he killed basically an innocent person, even though that's not the outcome that the officer wanted. So again, when I mentioned about PVVAR saving lives, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think the innovativeness and the creativity, the forward-thinking of PPVAR is absolutely a game changer for the alarm industry. I am in it for passion because I believe in officer safety. I'm a very strong member of the International Association of Chiefs of Police, and we're pushing this forward very, very hard so that aside from all the national issues that are going on with law enforcement, police today need to focus on the simplest form of policing and that rudimentary call that's going to cause a danger. Just yesterday, to think about the simplicity of calls, right? So you think, what's well, this alarm call? Simple. Well, think about yesterday. An officer responded to a domestic violence call, and that officer ended up in an encounter with an individual. And now the reports indicate the officer shot him several times in the back. The result: a person's severely injured in the hospital. But we have riots all night, all night yesterday because of this. Again, simply, the simple calls need to be handled, right, with the highest level of accuracy that leads to better policing. In that formula, PPVAR has a lot to do with the simplicity of responding to a call with the highest level of accuracy. And if everyone follows that theme of providing the best best platform for police officers to perform the duties at the highest level, then we, we make policing that much safer for everyone. So, again, my hat goes off and my, my road my gratitude on the public safety side to both Tom, the president, and the past president, Joe, for really being forward thinkers in the aspect of enhancing safety for customers and our public safety personnel.
0: Chief Fernandez is pretty passionate about this stuff, Tom. <laughs> Very much so. It's what I love <laughs> about our organization and about uh, Chief
3: Fernandez and all of our uh, public safety uh, volunteers right on our board are equally as passionate
0: about the mission of PPVAR. Awesome. So maybe Tom and Joey, I'd like to get your guys' input on this. What do you see as the top challenges facing the video verified alarm movement today?
3: Um, What the the easiest answer to that is privacy, right? There's a great concern about making sure that uh, the privacy of our customers and the citizens is respected, whether even if that's in a public space or more importantly, as we move these technologies into the home, right? Cameras have existed, ADT has millions of customers out there with cameras in their home. I have them, but all of us would ask that question, well, what can you actually see, right? So we wanna make sure the technologies support the ability to maintain customer privacy, customer opt-in, not just at the level of like, well, you can access my cameras or not, right? Or aggregate all this information, but um, we're working to make sure that you can all you can choose when to share that information, whether that's with the alarm company or with with public safety, right? So that's one of the key areas. It's a it's a, it's a policy issue as much as it is a, a technology issue. Right.
2: Well, and and from a technology point, if I can if I can hop in, is cameras have become a business tool because I focus on primarily commercial customers in my business, and even on the residential side. Um, Managing the difference between lifestyle and security application of cameras is difficult sometimes because if you're going to truly verify things, you want to look at hot points and no offense, but looking at that driveway is probably not as important to somebody that wants to see how their people are unloading their trucks, right? So there's that that business use versus the security use. Not to mention the fact that as technology is moving faster than a lot of people's infrastructure to utilize it. So that's the other that's the other challenge is it's not what we can, it's not it's not if we can do it because anything's possible. It's if our infrastructure will support it. And no matter how much infrastructure I build in my central station, because I do specialize in audio and video. If the end customer doesn't have the bandwidth doesn't have the, it makes it very hard for us to get quality usable video. And that, that is the challenge um also as analytics and other things are coming into play it's coming in really big right now with the fever cameras that are out for what we're dealing with with covid 19 right now they have to be applied in a very specific fashion to be frankly reliable that's the other challenge is it's there's environmental factors that have to come into play for the technology to work so that's really where we're having technologies growing faster then the education and end user's ability to consume it properly is what I'll say is the best way to put it, especially with these fever cameras. I've, I've, I've taken a very conservative stance in my own personal company forum to make sure that what the customer and the end user are purchasing is going to actually provide what they need. But I've had, I've had several customers purchase from other, other, oppor- other ways to do it, other vendors or, or other uh, companies. And come to me and be like, why isn't this working? And then I explain, I'm like, well, you can't have a fever camera looking at an open window. That's not gonna work. And so th- there's some various challenges to to some of where we're at in techn- technologically, but um, privacy is the biggest issue from a from a policy standpoint and from how, how you're going to um, approach it. But then you've got to have the technology married to be as effective as possible for some of this stuff to work. Because um, if you do it right, it, I, I, we have a saying in my company, not, not as a plug for my company, but if you sell it right, you install it right, and you monitor right, it works. Best example I have of that is we have a customer in Bakersfield, California, who had had their yard broken into probably 50 times. They'd put additional stuff in. They'd, done it, they'd switched companies a couple times, but they'd never went a verification route for whatever reason. They finally decided to use verification. That first weekend, they had two apprehensions and two separate incidents where we were able to get law enforcement there apprehend the person, avoid the loss for the customer as well because they had all of the stock that they were trying to steal. So because of that, um, it, it's very important that we do it right and we do it, um, we educate our customer because it's not just a partnership between alarm companies and law enforcement or so public safety, the subscriber also has to be the partner. So if we all work together and we do the application and again, we sell it right, we install it right, they use it right, we
3: have a really great outcome and that that information the aggregation of the information, mm-hmm. Rodney is absolutely important right we, we keep going back to this, but the nine one one centers we absolutely understand are going through staffing issues just as as industries that, that we are right so to to send just raw video or raw audio or just a bunch mm-hmm. of information has is not um sufficient right and it's it's not what we're hearing from our partners in public safety that they want Mm -hmm. we have to take this information distill it into something usable right and and that's what the standard that we that we referenced early on Mm -hmm. is going to help do and then um get all the information from all the data points that we have provide it in an actionable format and then be able to deliver that effectively, right? So we, we kind of glossed over that, but the interaction between mm-hmm. public safety and the security industry and being able to communicate this information in a format other than just verbally over the phone is, is very important.
2: Yes, and, and as well as I will say, it's very, very important that that we work as professional monitoring, either association company, whatever you want to look at it. Um, our central stations play a vital role in aggregating and looking at this data, because that's why it's so, it, it is important. It's, it, Because there's times when my operators or my agents, sorry, we use the term operators, uh, they use the term agents, they may consume 30 minutes of audio and video before they're sure it's a crime in progress. Because as you said, somebody just walking on their lot, we don't wanna run sirens for that. That's not a high priority. That could be somebody just a kid just cutting through the lot to get home quicker. So they'll have to watch video and listen to what's happening and take in all the environmental information. And so it's very important that we have our professional agents able to make a decision as well as use technology to help them do it better and faster so that we get a faster police response by aggregating the data, but that we make that in a very consumable, very concise information to law enforcement so they can quickly utilize it and and dispatch appropriate. Because they have seconds. They don't have 30, 40, 50 minutes to be consuming all this information and make a decision. So if we can provide with a high probability, that's always the challenge, is with a high prob- probability of accuracy, this nugget of information that they can then quickly respond and as Chief Fernandez was saying, save lives, it becomes an invaluable process. And
0: mm-hmm. In speaking to the security dealer community out there, Tom, can you talk a little bit about you know, their participation, where there are opportunities for them to become involved and even from a business perspective? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll start off with PPVAR,
3: right? <laughs> work with your industry associations, but we're certainly PPVAR has a very focused mission around this, and we would love to have um, uh, participants from, from every level of the industry um, work and contribute, right, to the to the mission, ongoing mission of PPVAR, the work that we're doing, the standards that we're developing, the outreach that we do with the public safety community um, that we'll be expanding upon That's um, going to be very important. So... Um, we have to um, look at that and and the technologies that that um, dealer organizations use, right, are, are also gonna be important. So we've been talking a lot as a security industry about our ability to leverage um, some of these technologies that are out there, right, the, the cameras, the devices, how they're set up, what's sold to the customer, how they're installed, all that's very important in order to kind of, um, um, contribute to this kind of cultural verification, right? And the reduction of false alarms that, that as an industry we've been very dedicated to.
0: We want to kind of continue that. You know, this crazy times we're in, people talking about defunding police, and we're not going to delve into what that might mean, but can you touch on how, how might this concept of defunding police departments and, and those types of con- controversies impact police, and in turn your ability to respond to alarms
1: well, i could tell you that i don't think we're ever going to have a situation where police are not, not going to respond to a citizen's call for help or an alarm call that's not going to happen could it be delayed it possibly could be delayed but they're always going to respond our nation is resilient. our police department have proven over years and years and decades that they're going to persevere through this and come out better on the other side but to, but to that point uh, of defunding police, there are departments that are cutting back their budgets, which means that we have to work in a more streamlined process, be a lot more accurate in what we do with our resources. So PPVAR is actually helping in that effort because there'll be less calls for service of these alarm calls because there'll be better accuracy on them. So we're gonna reduce that overall number significantly, allowing the police officers across the country, a wide spectrum of this, to respond to where they're needed the most, rather than an alarm call. I can tell you that having interviewed several officers for uh, this particular issue of, of false alarms, that they're they're just exhausted, they're fatigued, have responded to so many alarm calls every single day. And so again, I, I think this is a great initiative that is true to the, uh, this day and time that we're in with policing and this theme of defunding because we, we have to do better with our resources if we have less resources. But nonetheless, um, PVR is just one component of that. We hope that others follow suit and that they do their part to be forward thinkers in terms of public safety and what, what can be done. Well, I think today with technology, look at um, you know, the Internet, Internet of Things, the Google Internet of Things, where they're capturing all this data to try to have better outcomes. And this is what this system will do for armed cops. But you know, I, you know, my, I speak from the perspective of number one, a police officer, boots on the ground for so many years, over 34 years of being out in the field. But also from the perspective of a chief of police or a, a city manager perspective. Uh, in the middle lies a responsibility of you know citizen safety, officer safety. proper use of resources. And this method of responding to alarm calls fits all three of those models.
0: Tom, I I don't want to take us down a rabbit hole about this whole concept of defunding police, but you know, is there a piece for PPVAR here that that you see?
3: Um, So while we focus on the verified portion of this, right, there's two Mm -hmm. sides to this. The, the, The verification not only means that we're confirming that something is occurring there which is which is where we go a lot of times but on the opposite side it's also confirming that there's not something occurring there right yeah and that that is going to have a significant impact on <laughs> on the, on the um, maybe not necessarily the false alarm percentage right because the percentages are hard to alter sometimes but on the sheer volume of calls that the security industry generates, we have seen um, huge impacts. By by providing better verification technologies, not just through analytics, but Mm -hmm. by deploying tools to the customers, we have seen results that are amazing. Like, uh, so I'll I'll publicize this a little bit. ADT by deploying our first generation of tools in this space is seeing with our highest activity customers a 47 percent reduction in the alarm activity that we see to our agents, which is amazing, right? Almost half. And I'm confident that we can go above that that mark by tuning the tool a little bit, getting some customer feedback. Um, But those are the types of technologies that are inherently part of what PPVAR is looking to deploy, right? When we talk about the, the 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 different types of data points, customer input, and being able to communicate with them is a key portion of this. So um, that will help with these with these efforts. And, and and I'm not sure whether we, you know, as an organization, we have an an opinion upon um, the the defunding yeah. the police, right? We're we're going to do what we can to make sure we're helping our public safety partners in in allocating their resources properly and and making everybody safer,
0: right?
1: By the way, I wanted to add to Tom's point that it's not just about helping public safety, but the end user or the customer is gonna save a significant amount of money. I'll speak from the perspective of a city manager, that we get a lot of complaints from citizens about having to pay those false alarm fees. So typically they give them three false alarms per year. Then after that, they start charging incremental increases in each call response. In some cases, I've had businesses pay upwards of $1,500 for each one of those calls. So this technology is gonna save the customer you know, money on, on, the, on the back end of it by having less false alarm calls.
0: Great, thank you. Just a couple more questions I wanna cover here. Tom, can you talk a little bit about how might emerging and disruptive technology overall impact or transform alarm response? We We see, some amazing possibilities here, right? So, we just did
3: um, our deal with Google, that was big news. But the ability to bring some of the, the analytics and the cloud technologies, um, 5G communications, I don't know where you even want me to start, right? <laughs> there are so many technologies that we can take advantage of that are going to enhance our ability to provide verified alarms, get more data from uh, the, the systems that are out there, analyze not just the, the information that's coming from a single place, but we've seen what what we've been touching upon a little bit here. People don't desire just to keep their house or their business safe. They want to keep their communities safe also. Right? That's the, the natural outreach of, of some of these apps and things that are out there. So we're looking to, to try to provide this information um, in a way that will uh, aggregate inf- data um, from Various sources and from pattern analysis and some other things, without getting getting overly um, too spooky about <laughs> right, the types of information that are out there, we want to use this for the greater good right so we 're going to take this information and, and try to make the best use of this right with the customer 's permission and and, and um, with, with privacy in mind first and foremost and and get the outcomes that we 're looking for so in terms of the technologies that are out there, there's the communications technologies that are happening that are increasing the amount of bandwidth that we have. The ability for the cloud to come in play with its storage and its analytics capability is tremendous. The types of sensors and devices that we have out there just keep increasing in their sophistication. We have we have cameras now with you know 360 degree vision, night vision, right? It Built in uh, motion analysis with, with microphones and speakers built into that, where you can you can de escalate situations, right? We haven't really mm-hmm. talked about that, but certainly having an agent come on board and, and say hello, this is a security company. Uh, we are monitoring the situation now, certainly will de-escalate a lot of situations in there. We have technologies in, in terms of markets that, that are new, um, the, the the mobile space, for example, right? Just the ability for monitoring um, and keeping people safe as they're moving around or in vehicles. We've done deals with like Lyft and Instacart, right, where we're, where it's a combination of loan worker safety and monitoring the vehicle. These are new things, not just for, for the security industry, but for public safety, right? So. So all of these things are coming into play in in really amazing ways, <laughs> right? Where, where we're we're going to be able to to help shape how all this stuff comes together
0: and keep us all safer. Uh, it's, it's it's a really amazing time to 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 be in the security industry. Joey, did you want to add anything to that in particular a particular technology that you see coming on the horizon to really help out with alarm response? Um.
2: No, Tom. Tom covered it really really greatly. It's it's the the programming, the analytics, the deep learning, the deep learning computers, um, as AI gets better and better, um, we're going to continue to. Better. The, the, the funny part is, is that the technologies aren't new. We're just getting much better at them. And so as we continue to get much better at them, and especially, like you said, the ability for better bandwidth, the ability for cloud computing, and their ability to crunch data and do, you know, essentially what Google and Amazon do when we're trying to buy stuff. Um, is just gonna be a game changer for what we can do for our subscribers because that, that capacity is just, it's an endless, um, there's endless possibilities to what we could do with it. Of course, by you know, tempering with privacy and those sorts of things, we're not looking to sell people's data. We just wanna provide a better outcome to both the public, our subscribers, and uh, public safety.
0: Okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about the other associations that PPVAR uh, interfaces with um SIA security industry alarm association ESA and TMA can you talk a little bit about the support involved and you know where where are you guys at where's the where's the organization at as far as taking part with these other uh associations
3: so as as individuals it's interesting i actually sit on the board of of SIA Right. Uh, Joey sits on the board of TMA. <laughs> so we feel very aligned at, at certain levels in, in, as companies participating mm-hmm. in these organizations that, um, that within PPVAR itself that we are supported and we have representation just by, by the nature of our membership. Right, We have very active mm-hmm. members as a volunteer organization that are participating with these, these um, industry organizations. So besides that, we have SEAC that we also work very closely with. Right. Farah is out there doing false alarm work, um, but I, I feel very comfortable in saying we are all very much communicating together, and there's not a single organization in the security industry that is against the, the mission of, of PPEAR in any way, shape, or form. Right? It's all about how do we align this properly, get the right messaging out there, communicate appropriately so that we're not duplicating efforts. That's, that's really where the, the focus is, but, but there's no question in my mind that the security industry is 100% behind this.
2: They they absolutely support us. We have a, we have a very uh, defined focus and we have, we have a very, I, I hate to use the term narrow lane because it's so important what we're doing. However, it is a very focused mission and I find between working with TMA and I know uh, some of Tom's work with SIA, the industry supports what we do and they're very, um, it's a great working relationship because we are able to solely focus on this while they have many priorities they're focusing on so they're very supportive of how we we're we're engaging to get this moving forward whether it's TMA or CIA or SEAC um it, it's it's really wonderful to see the relationship with all of us and how focused and, they are. And, and
3: Rodney one of the the key items again is is for our public safety members they represent public safety organizations mm-hmm. also maybe Frank can touch on that mm-hmm. very briefly but but it's there's a a large number of public safety organizations out there that we are also working
0: in conjunction with. Mm-hmm. Chief Hernandez please go ahead if you have something to add on that.
1: Yeah you know certainly look the IACP uh, Police Executive Research Forum, the National Insurance Association, the National Fire Association, all these are in line uh, with the mindset uh, of uh, PPVR. So um, I think that the collaboration between all of them and the fact that um, the organization has now diversified its group to include a member of the PSAP or ECC, a fire representative, a Shovel Association, a Chiefs of Police, Director of Public Safety. I mean, we span the entire horizon. And each one of those are members of these associations and we get to branch off. So they, there's a collaborative effort and, a, and a, an aligned mindfulness of how to do this job and how to do it correctly. And so I think it's all, being, it's all coming together.
3: Yeah, and I'll, I'll add in that we just uh, concluded in the APCO committee that we're working with, right? APCO and Nino are very close partners of ours also that we, that we work with that represent the 911 centers.
0: So um, fantastic collaboration. Well, tell you what, let's conclude it. If you can, you know, what's your wish? If you had a wish list, what, what is at, what's number one slot as far as advancing PPVAR?
3: That we can move faster. <laughs>
0: And how is that achieved? What, what might need to transpire to move faster?
3: Um, and and I assume also, you're
0: talking about scaling the program. And-
3: there, there is. The, the, a, um, following ANSI standards is, is a, a very structured process, right? So we feel that the standards that we're developing are uh, absolutely, uh, to, to quote Frank's words, right, game changers. And um, mm-hmm. I know we're moving as aggressively as we can inside of that space but but, um, but that's going to take some time to put in place, right? you got to go through the, the, the right for all the right reasons, right? So we're going to work with with under the ANSI structure to develop those standards. The technologies and other um, items that we've discussed in terms of verification, those are all happening uh, and and all of us, I believe in within our companies and within public safety are aggressively pushing for this. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's a whole hour, you know two hour session that we can probably have. On NG 911 and how public safety itself is changing. Right, uh, it, the the whole ecosystem of public safety is changing, and we need to kind of adapt to, to move with that. And it's happening very quickly. Right, so I feel PP bar is on the leading edge of, of some of these discussions that are happening. Really exciting. But but um, but uh, I don't want to make light of it. That the moving faster, we are moving very very quickly um, mm-hmm. with the uh, the work that we're doing. But but um, as always, there's so much to do that
0: that uh, we'd love to get more of it completed. Joe, I'm going to pass it to you. You have a a genie bottle and you got one wish left. How Um, are you going to use it?
2: Well, like Tom said, uh, having having an ability to scale. um, We are making inroads to participating with more and more um, public safety and law enforcement uh, entities and being able to engage that more. We had a great plan in place, but uh, COVID kind of changed that this year, so... Uh, really looking forward to 2021 and some of the outreach we will be able to do um, so yeah that was the, that'd be the one wish is that again the speed of, it, of the initiatives is just trying to, to get out there quicker and stronger than we, we've been able to very you know strong. i'm going
0: to l- let me just ask cuz one thing we didn't really discuss and, and it, can you just give me kind of a high elevation look at how the pandemic has has affected your work in this regard
2: It's made it be different. Um, there, there's a lot of um, from my perspective, there's a lot of um, priorities that are coming at you in a different way that you never really planned for. Um, running a monitoring center and, and working in this industry for 20 years, we always had disaster recoveries. I can honestly say, of all the disaster plans I had, I never had a pandemic plan, and I do now. So um, so part of how you build relationships and how we've been able to scale and how we've been able to accomplish so many things is, um, is relationships. That's whether it's in the industry, whether it's with law enforcement, whether it's with fire, public safety, um, city managers, even our subscribers, it's all about relationships. All of us, as is evidenced by this lovely Zoom meeting that we're recording, we're building relationships differently now. So that's, that's really been the biggest challenge of, it, it hasn't changed what we do, it's changed how we did it. We're, we're still protecting the public. We're still working closely with law enforcement, both in the company and as an association we're just having to um, navigate it a little differently than we had previously.
0: Okay. All right. We're going to give the last word to Chief Fernandez. Do you have anything to add? You have, uh, you have some comrades on uh, on the call here. Anything you want to pass along to
1: them to, to help out the mission of alarm response? Well, you know, the, the, as you mentioned, the, the forward thinking vision that I would embrace is an opportunity again to utilize technology to enhance safety for both the customers of these alarm services and for our public safety personnel, police, and fire. The end result is to build operational capacity for these um, public safety personnel. Well, they're utilizing their their resources at the right time for the right reasons. Way too often, we're dispatching police and fire blindly. Technology is offering an opportunity now to really dispatch them with the highest level of information possible for that officer that firefighter to make the right decisions at the right time for the right reasons
0: chief Hernandez, thank you so much for your time tom joey much appreciated you guys enjoy the rest of your day thank, thank you, you. All right. thank you thanks you. so much
1: we appreciate your interest and encourage you to subscribe to security sales and integration and its newsletters Regularly visit securitysales.com for the latest news and follow SSI on social media.